How are you, Scotty? I'm good, Connie. How are you? I'm great. I love fall. It's it's a fun, cool, leaves changing time of year. How about you? I am excited for fall because it means that all the good holidays are coming up. So Halloween, Thanksgiving, and uh, Christmas and New Year's, of course, it's a busy time, but it's really fun. So I like that. I'm not looking forward to the time change coming up soon. <laughs> I agree. The days feel too short sometimes in the fall as soon as that time change happens. Are you dressing up for Halloween? No, I am <laughs> not. I will actually, I won't even be in the United States. I have a trip coming up and uh, I'll be going to Europe and I'll be leaving my family alone on Halloween. So I will say that it breaks my heart a little bit because I love answering the door when all the kids are trick-or-treating and to see the costumes and handing out candy and all of that. I like that. So it's kind of sad not to be here. Yes. But you're going to Europe. So we're going to Europe. What are you driving in Europe? So we are going to drive the Volvo EX30, which is Volvo's smallest and most affordable electric crossover SUV. So I got a peek at it in New York uh, over the summer. It is really cute. It is made with the whole design uh, aspect of this car, I think, is actually probably more interesting to me than anything else. It's made with a lot of recycled and repurposed materials. There's no leather. I believe they've tried to eliminate petroleum products. It is, um, there's a, there's like a zero carbon story to it. I'm not hundred percent sure of all of that. I'll learn more this coming week, but there, uh, there are a lot of really cool, deep solutions. So it's not just a solution to storage or a solution to, you know, a better place to put a USB port, but it's um, using materials like recycled ocean, reclaimed ocean plastics and um, uh, building things out of post-consumer plastic bottles. So I love that story. I think when, uh, and then, and then it looks really cool. The materials look amazing. So I love when they're able to come up with uh, ways that not only give you a really cool experience and look and feel great, but that also when you learn about where these products come from and, and what the company was able to do, you feel really good about the product. So absolutely. That's nice. I always, yes. And I always love their design, especially interiors. So I'm sure it's fantastic. And I'm excited for you to get to drive that in Barcelona of all places. In Barcelona. Yeah, that'll be fun. What wow. are you driving this week? I have a last call Dodge Charger Super B this week. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, the Super B. Yes. The super, how many Bs have you found on that car? Oh, at least five or six. But you know, that's a good question. I'm going to have to do a little digging because I'm shooting video with it this afternoon. So I'm going to have to really look around the car and find some more of those little drag bees. They're very, very cute. And uh, it's, it's obviously a really fun car. You just have to be really careful in the rain. Tuesday, it was raining and I had to be so careful because it has drag radial tires on it. And it's a V8 and rear wheel drive. So I was driving around a corner at a light and I wasn't even going fast, but the back end just like went slipping right up behind me. It's like, it's a crazy car, but it's sunny the rest of the week. So I'm, I'm happy to uh, have such a fun car this week. So do you know why those 
wheels, the tires are so slick. Because they tell us, you know, they tell us they're three, what is it? Four, 30 seconds of an inch or something is the minimal for safety. And they talk about how much tread you need on your tires and all that. And then you look at these racing tires and they're like, you know, like basically flat rubber surfaces. Why is that? Yeah, well, I think, uh, and I should probably know this for sure, because my husband drag races at a local street legal drag strip sometimes in the summer. Um, but it's it's when you do a burnout, right, you're heating up the tires, and then they get grippier and stickier, and they stick to the track. So if you're taking it to a drag strip, you want those tires to stick to the track that whole quarter mile. And that's what those drag radial tires do. Uh, they're just not really made for fall, rainy Vancouver weather. So you just got to be careful, especially with that power on the rear wheels. Yeah, you do have to be careful. And I think, uh, in my opinion, if you if I had a car like that, if it was mine, I would have a separate set of tires for the track and not drive on those around traffic Absolutely. because you just never know when you're going to hit something and and you're you need that and you're never going to get your tires as heated up yeah. on a regular city street as you do on a on a track. Yes. So and that's what my husband does. We have drag strip tires for his Chevy Nova, and then we have street tires. So absolutely, we take the tires to the track with us. We don't drive to the track in the in the drag tires. But yeah, your B last call is 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 a bit special. And if you were to buy one, you would probably keep those keep those tires for the summer, or you would have street tires and and the drag radials that come with it. But it's kind of special because it's the last the last call addition for the Charger. Well, I can't wait to see your story on the Charger Super B. The last calls have been really fun, haven't they? Yes, I get the Challenger next week. So like, next week I have the last call Challenger, which is a Scat Pack Swinger edition, apparently. And I think it's a really bright color as well. So I'm Oh, good. I had that. And uh, mine was black on black. So oh, wow. black interior, black exterior, black everything, except for the stripe. But I think the stripe was like a dark cherry red. Okay. Um, so you could, it was really hard to see. Oh, but, like a really um, cool combination, just not easy to pick up in photos. But yeah, but it, cool was, it was really fun to, I really enjoyed that car. And I think the thing that, that I like the most about that car is they, are able to take these heritage details and integrate them with modern technology and touches. So things like, you know, the rear view camera and the infotainment, the multimedia system, and some of these kind of creature comforts, things that we're used to, the window buttons and things like that. They all, it all just fits together so nicely. And so you get that feel of retro and mm -hmm. that classic, classic, classic design, mm -hmm. but without any compromises. Yeah. That's, that's what I've always loved about the Dodge brand. Yeah. Um, and uh, I did read some speculation this morning though, that they we may see the the Dodge Challenger and the Charger come back as gas models after, they, after the last call and they go away, we may see a revival. I think they're hearing some uh, squabbling and complaining from the, uh, from the fan gallery about you can't take our cars away from us. Right. So. And that makes sense, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so let's launch and 
in and talk about our guests today. Yeah. Totally away from power cars, muscle yeah. cars, and street driving and things no like that. Driving. Please welcome to What Drives Her, the podcast about women who are changing the automotive industry from the inside. We come to you every week with women who are making a big impact on the world of automotive by doing things the way that they do them and doing things the way that women like to do things. And it is so important that they do because we need women in the automotive industry. It's an important factor in filling those jobs with great, intelligent, creative, insightful, great leaders. And that is a lot of women. So welcome to What Drives Her. Connie, who are our guests today? And yes, we have two. Yes, I'm really excited about this week's episode because we're going to go off-road. No more street drag racing here. We're going off-road with Jill Simonello and Kristen Shaw, both of whom are automotive journalists and uh, a ton of experience, both of them amazing women. I've met them both in person, love them, colleagues, friends, and they are doing an off-road rebel rally, which is I think eight full days off-road, off the grid, no GPS, no cell phone, no nothing, only paper navigation for 2,500 kilometers and in their Hyundai Santa Cruz. So I'm super excited to talk to them. I am too. And, you know, I'll tell you, when I first heard about the Rebel Rally, so I believe this is year seven and proudly, we have written about Rebel every single year of the competition. Um, but when I first heard about it and I thought, oh, 2,500 kilometers, there's no pavement. So you're on trails and you're driving through parks and things like that. And, and it's rocks and mountains and, and, and rocky trails and sand. And, and I thought, oh, well, no problem. You know, with uh, Google Maps, you could do that. No Google Maps. No phones, no, no electronics, no GPS. <laughs> you can use a compass, you know, a magnetic compass and a map, a paper map. And then um, I got close to, was able to uh, see up close for myself. I attended the second rally and learned just how grueling this is. And people ask me sometimes why I haven't done the rebel rally. And I'm, I might actually say, I never say this, but I might actually say, I got to see it up close and I know how hard it is. Yeah. <laughs> gives me even more respect and admiration for Jill and Kristen and what they've been able to accomplish in their second year. This is that coming up is their second year competing in the Rebel Rally. They competed last year. And uh, so they're going to share with us what they learned and what they have coming up. And they're still friends too, by the way, which is, <laughs> that's an accomplishment on its own totally to agree. compete in a race like this and still be friends with your drive partner. And sleep so, in a tent every night in the middle of nowhere, basically, together. Yeah, it is. It's quite the, quite the competition. So let's talk to Jill and Kristen. Welcome, Kristen and Jill. Kristen and Jill, Team Brute Squad, uh, Rebel Rally competitors. You guys are here with us right before the competition gets started in a secret location in California <laughs> and ends in a secret location in California, but takes you over 
quite a momentous journey. So welcome. Thanks for spending a few minutes with us to talk about what it's like to compete in the women's, all women's, off-road, no GPS, paper map only, rebel rally. Welcome. Thank you. That's quite a description, Scotty. <laughs> well, you can see there's some enthusiasm here. Um, it's this is something that I've been really excited about since the since it started. We have covered Rebel Rally every year, and I know you're both journalists, so that's something that you've both covered as well. And uh, so, why don't you start off by telling us? Why did you want to jump into the fray and compete rather than being on the, you know, observing from the sidelines? So it's it's really kind of funny. I mean, I've always had a love of driving off-road and um, I mean, and I like driving on a racetrack too, but there's just something special about off-road driving, the precision, you know, the um, just overall like slowness, like you've got to go slow. There's some things you just can't muscle your way through. I mean, obviously there's some things you have to muscle your way through. Um, but I just, I, I, I love the off-road driving and I always loved the idea that um, somebody who does off-road driving is also incredibly independent and capable. And like, there's just this can-do aura about it. Um, I mean, you guys are journalists and I, I don't know if you've ever been on Land Rover events, but the very first like drive that I ever went on as a journalist was with the Land Rover guys. Um, and girl, there was one girl, um, but, but it was, it was one of those things where like we would find ourselves in situations where we would get stuck or, you know, and, and the guys would be like, oh, we're just going to go into the track and we're going to pull out duct tape and bubble gum and we'll get you out of it. And I'm just like, that is so cool. And so from a, like very early on in my career, I was like, I want to be a Land Rover guy. Like I want to, I like, that's what I want to be when I grow up. I want to be able to get myself out of any situation. I want to feel confident. I want to be able to survive. And if the end of the world is coming, I want to be with the Land Rover guys. Cause like, I know that bubble gum and duct tape, they'll get me out of it. Um, so to me, being a part of Ravel is kind of like that. It's very empowering. And um, after our first year, like I really walked away feeling like I could deal with anything, like I could get myself out of any situation. And, you know, and, and that was what I was hoping to accomplish. I mean, obviously I didn't want to hurt the truck and I didn't want to die. Those were the first two goals, but like coming out of it, feeling like I am now like very capable. I mean, I was capable before, but now I know it. <laughs> it's just kind of a cool feeling. And it just, I mean, I'm looking forward to building on that in year two. What ha What inspired you, Kristen? I covered it as media in 2021 and I rode with Emily Miller, the founder of the Rebel Rally. And I thought, this is nuts. Like, wow, you know, this is so epic. And at the time I wasn't sure if I could or really wanted to devote my time to that. But when Jill came to me and said, hey, you know, do you want to do this together? the pieces kind of fell together because having a good partner is absolutely the number one thing that you have to have. <laughs> I mean, you could, you could drive just about any vehicle off-road really. You could, you could jack up a Volkswagen bug and take it off-road if you want, but if you don't have a good partner, it's not going to be a good experience. It's not going to be fun. You know, it's, it's all about, it's all about the journey. I yeah. imagine it would be more dangerous with the wrong partner too. That's yeah. true. That's I would agree. It, you know, I mean, 
we've all like come across like when you're driving at an event and you're with somebody who makes you uncomfortable, you know, they're, whether they're taking turns too fast or they don't listen to you. Um, I'll be honest, I'm a Chicago city driver. And when Kristen and I were coming back from training, um, I was driving like Chicago and she's like, I would like to tell you that you were making me a little bit uncomfortable and how close you are to the vehicle in front of you. And I think she said it pretty much exactly like that. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. You can take the driver out of Chicago, but you can't take Chicago out of the driver. I will back off for you. Um, but but like we've built up this rapport and this comfort level where it's like, I feel good about this. I don't feel good about this. And it's a safe space. And she told me that. And I was not like, you're wrong. I'm driving fine. Buzz off. I was just like, oh, I'm making my partner uncomfortable. I'm going to listen to that. And I'm going to make her feel comfortable. And, um, you know, we finished Rebel last year and I looked at her and I think the first thing I said is, again, let's do it again. And she was like, it's not because of you, but I need to think about that for a second. <laughs> That's what just give me a minute. I just needed I, to process it first. I know. It's like, let me think about it. A minute. I'll put on the timer. What do you got? What do you got? How about now? Fact, How about now? Even, even for this year, I've been finding myself thinking ahead for next year. And then I'm like, I don't have to think about next year right now. I just yeah. need to think about this year. I need to focus on this year. And then I can think about next year. Like thinking too far ahead is not going to serve us well. Right. Do you find that um, this event helps you to be in the present more? Um, because that, you certainly are. Not only are you there for 10 days with no electric electronic communications, because people don't understand. There's no GPS. There are no cell phones. Mm -hmm. Unless you want to cheat and get uh, disqualified, but you you can't. They prevent yeah. you from having those things. And as you said, you know, I don't have to think about next year yet. I need to focus on right now. Does this? How does this help you to be more in the present? And what do you bring away from? What did you learn about that from last year that you, you wake up finding yourself thinking about or, or tactics that you find yourself using every day. Well, one thing that Jill and I found out pretty early on is if one of us was having a bad day, the other one had to have a great day yeah. because both of us could not be having a bad day at the same time. The first practice day I was navigating and Jill was driving and I was just completely like my mind just went you know, when I couldn't focus in on what we were supposed to be doing, I, I started to panic a little bit. Like, I, I can't find it. Where is the checkpoint? I can't find it. What are we going to do? Everything's going to be terrible. And then Jill was like, okay, it's going to be okay. Today's going to be my great day. <laughs> so nope. being in that moment was really helpful to me. And I'm finding that since the rebel, I'm also less engaged on social media because we're completely off the grid for a whole week. And that helps us be very present. You know, we're totally focused on the rally and what we're doing then. Yeah. And, and I'll say, um, like, I have a lot of stuff going on in my personal life right now. And, um, and it would be really easy to get very distracted. Um, you know, my, my dad isn't well. And, and, and so that like takes a lot of mental stress and time and space. Um, and, and so I think what the rebel did for me is it's like, all right, I can't be with my dad right now. I I've got to focus on this one thing, but then when I'm with my dad, I'm with my dad. And, um, and, and so it, it has really taught me about like compartmentalization and just being in the moment and dealing with what you can deal with right now today. And, um, and, and, 
there are things that you can do. There are things that you cannot do. And um, the point, there is no point in worrying about the things that you can't control. And, and so in, in many ways, I think Rebel has kind of helped me let go of some of those things that I can't control and be very present in what I can control and what I can do right now. That's amazing. Because I think as women, we we're sort of taught like you're the you're the one who's going to take care of things. And it's very frustrating. And it's uh, maddening <laughs> when yeah. things, things are out of your control and or things that you're supposed to take care of are things you can't take care of. And to learn to let go is a really hard lesson for a lot of women. It is. But yeah. I have to tell you, in the end, it is so like it is it is life changing and it is um, transformative. It is very um, releasing um, to 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 learn the power of letting go, to learn the power of no, actually. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I think as it relates to our friendship as well, we're definitely ha have a deeper level of friendship through this. You know, we came out loving each other more, and we had we we had to get through some tough moments, and not not because of each other, but like with each other's support. Mm -hmm. One thing we learned was our love language for both of us is <laughs> is um what's the word what's the word? Uh, it's words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. So, you know, I might be trying to tackle a hill or go over a difficult obstacle. And she'd be like, good job. You, you got know? it. You got yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. I got it. You know, so together we can navigate all of those hard things. We can do hard things together. Mm -hmm. Glennon Doyle. <laughs> and so we support each other. It's been, it's been really good. Like Thursday, like the next, no, it was the last night before the end of the rally last year and all my emotions got to me. I was exhausted. My brain was tired. You know, my body was tired and I just had a breakdown. I was crying and I was like, it's not you, Jill. It's not you. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and you know, I mean, and that's, and it, Kristen, like you did such an amazing job last year and I'm so going to be depending on you this year because last year I was just like, I don't care what happens. Just don't die and don't hurt the truck. It doesn't matter. But this year, like going in our second year, I'm like, okay, don't, don't die. Don't hurt the truck. Don't finish last and don't get lost in death Valley. Like I've added a couple of things. And so I'm like, I can just feel like I'm going to be the one who's completely freaking out and stressed out and um, worried. And I just know that with Kristen's support, like she gets me. Um, and we'll, we'll be able to get through it, but I'm, I'm giving you the advanced warning. I'm going to freak out at least once during the rally. <laughs> so let me ask you this. If you were competing in a off-road rally where a lot of the competitors were men, would you feel as comfortable? Would you feel like you could cry? I would. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't care. <laughs> I'll cry if I need to cry. I'd I think probably resort to swearing. Yeah, I think the difference is with the Rebel Rally is because it's all women, there is such a level of support there. I mean, people are competitive, but at the end of the day, when you when everybody goes to dinner, like people are sitting down and talking to each other and laughing and exchanging go, uh, jokes and tips and talking about their kids, you know, so it's it's just a really cool environment that's that's achieved through having all women. You know, that's been my experience, too, is it's I, I feel like the, the competition is left on the field 
Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't make its way into the, the social circles. It doesn't make its, you know, you do see, I mean, in my experience, I would see people who definitely were bringing the frustrations of the day to dinner, but they, people would leave them alone. Right. Because they would have to work through that. But, uh, but the camaraderie in the group as a whole was pretty amazing. So talk about what you've learned from some of these women uh, because there's what's 150 women who compete, something like that. Uh, I feel like 50, 55 teams. So maybe a little less than 150, but thereabouts. Um, you know, I what, one of the coolest things about the Rebel Rally is you get such a depth and breadth of women who attend and compete. I mean, you have me and Kristen who are journalists. You have like one of there were sisters who competed last year, one of which was like a graphic artist. And she was like just super cool. And then you have like another woman who is a vintage Land Rover mechanic and she drove a vintage Land Rover and she repaired her own truck the entire way. But but like the, the you'd need to be a vintage Land Rover mechanic to, you know, be able and to she do was that. 25. Like she was yeah. young. And she but wow. like just super cool. And so like you get all of these women from all different walks of life. Like there's like a, a rocket scientist, engineers, lawyers, there's journalists, there's graphic artists, there's, and I, I mean, so it's just really cool to see all of these women who are vastly different um, jobs and, and, and life paths, and they all kind of come together in, in this one space. And I just, I really need to give um, Emily Miller, who is the founder of uh, the Rebel Rally, a huge shout out. I've, I've had the opportunity to get to know her a little bit better over the past year. And I mean, she is such an amazing human and role model. And like, she has really fostered and cultivated um, an, an, an event that is both supportive and competitive at the same time. And, and she has, I won't say hand selected the women who compete because that's not how this goes, but, but she has really just cultivated an environment where the women who compete are amazing women. And, and I think that what you see is if there are women who are like not amazing women competing, they don't come back because they don't fit in. And, and, and so you, you just like, I, I would say the people that we met are like lifelong friends and um, they are like we we formed a group. We call ourselves the Plotty Hotties. Of uh, you know, it was like six of us or eight of us who kind of came together during um, the, our training before our rookie year, and and that was the group that we were just kind of like, hey, um, I'm I just remember having a huge problem figuring out how to convert like decimal minutes to decimal seconds to like, and making like, and it was just all jumbled in my head and I was completely freaking out. And I like text messaged this group of women and they were like, Oh, I have a really simple fix for that. It's blank. And I was like, you know, mind exploded, but like, had we not made those friends and had the ability to have those conversations, like I would have been a much different place going into like the starting line. And you know, I, I, I know Kristen feels the same way, but like, I want to pay that forward and, and then like help somebody else and help move them along and give them advice and help set other people up for success. I mean, in the end of the day, we're competing with each, with each other, but we're also there to like support each other and help everybody be their best selves. 
Connie, don't let me dominate the conversation. <laughs> so, well, I had a question just to kind of <laughs> spin off that. So do the rookies get to have their own training or does everybody go to the same training every year? Everybody goes to the same training. You can sign up if you've done the rebel six times or zero times. So okay. it could be a, it could be a mix of people. Some people like to keep going back and, and honing their skills. And they're a big help to the rookies as well. Amazing. How many training sessions do you go to? This year we went to three. Mm -hmm. One with Nina Barlow, who is a, a veteran Jeep trainer, and she's awesome. And then we went to two sessions, which are called Rebel U, Rebel University. And that was with Emily Miller and her team. Mm -hmm. And you fly to California or Nevada for those, Utah. <clears throat> California, yeah. We did one in Ridgecrest, one in Glamis Dunes, and then where was the other one, Jill? Two, both were in Glamis. The, the, oh, yeah. right. the one with Nina was in Glamis, and then the last one we just <clears throat> went to. So last year, we only did two trainings. Um, but coming through the, the rally, it's like we knew enough to know what we didn't know and what we really needed help with. And, you know, thing number one was navigation. Like, uh, that is just far and away the most difficult thing, I think, that you do in the rally um, is not only plotting longitude and latitude points, but then also using your compass to um, get from point A to point B and, and understanding what a kilometer is and how far a kilometer is and what that looks like when you're looking out in the distance. And it's, it's just... We thought that anytime we could do, um, like spend doing, honing those skills would be good. And then the driving that you had to do and accompanying that was like the side benefit. Um, and both of us kind of freak out with the dunes. <laughs> the, the dunes, because um, I would think the rocks and the, the mountain terrain, no, the dunes really are harder. I mean, because I mean, with the rocky terrain, like go slow. You can get over it. You can find a way around it. Um, you can have a spotter who's like, okay, you need to have your tire here, you know, avoid this point sharp, you know, sharp pointy thing right here. Um, and, you know, you, you can have some, but with the dunes, it's like deceptive um, because it looks like you should be over to go over that. But then you get to the top and you're like, oh no, that's a slip face. And if I go over that, I'm going to like roll over or you're like, oh, I looks like I could drive through this. And then you get stuck three, you know, you know, a foot deep into sand and have to, you know, dig out and create like max track strains. The dunes are just very, very deceptive. Very and the, those dunes are like the, the, what you see in the movies of like the Sahara desert, like there's not a stick, not a tree, nothing. Nothing. They are monster dunes. They're very difficult to navigate. Like we really had to learn. I think this is, this is actually the, the dunes map behind yeah. me. We had to learn to, you know, go around the, the wash road, you know, where all the washes let the water out. And mm -hmm. then there's a road that goes this way, you know, so if you can navigate around those points, you can find your way. As far as driving, the first time I drove in the sand was with Emily Miller. And she said, it's like painting. You're kind of, slaloming or surfing on the sand with your vehicle back and forth and and you're kind of floating and so if you if you get that in your mind it's it's really very meditative to do but until also, you get stuck <laughs> yeah just don't get stuck i mean getting stuck is whew, it's a beating because it's 100 degrees or more you got to take out your traction boards you got to take out your shovels and hopefully you can get out of there so but does yeah, that small emotion help you from getting stuck? Like, are you literally like driving like that? I do. Yeah. 
And that <laughs> when I drive, I'm going back and forth like that. Wild. Yeah. When you go up over the dunes, you don't want to go straight over because right. you just, yeah. So like the painting motion just helps. So talk about how you score points. What do you have to do? Is it a time-based rally, like the first one to the finish line or what, what is it? And, and I know that the, the way that you score points is very unusual, but talk a little bit about how you score points. Well, the day starts at 5 a.m. with the cowbell. Emily comes to the camp and rings the cowbell because nobody has Apple watches or phones or anything to use as an alarm, really. Unless you and you're not allowed to use an alarm. Yeah, you can't lose them because you don't want to wake up the other people. So at five o'clock, the cowbell comes through. You get up, you get your latitude and longitude points in a, in a stack, right? And we've got green checkpoints, which are marked by a pretty large flag. And those usually have the most amount of points. They might have 20 points. And then there's blue checkpoints that might have a, a smaller, like a blue stick. It might have a blue flag. Those might be a little bit more difficult to find. And then there's the black checkpoints, which are not marked at all. We have to take our digital tracker and say, okay, we think it's at this spot where we are right now and click the digital tracker. And then it'll give us our latitude and longitude points so we can see how close we are. If we're within a certain amount, like it's, let's say it's a 50 meter radius, then we'll get the full amount of points. And then it, it kind of circles out from there. And then if you if you click on a point that's a certain distance away from what your checkpoint is, you get what's called a wide miss. And then they subtract 10 points. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> they take points away from you if you they miss. Yeah, but, but but you also get something in return because um you can take the longitude and latitude point, you can put it on the map, and you're gonna be like, oh. I'm exactly where I thought I was, or holy crap, I am not any place close to where I thought I was supposed to be. And this, and then you can like use, okay, I'm right here. Um, now I need to be here. Like, and you can kind of replot and reroute um, based on the information you got. So yeah, they take 10 points away, but it's kind of like paying a, paying a toll of sorts because it gave you information to be able to put you back on track. Um, and so like, that's, that's the big way that you get points is through finding checkpoints. And I like it, uh, to compare it to like a scavenger hunt, you know, you're, you're going through these places trying to find these things. Um, they also, for each of these checkpoints, you have open and closed times. And so, um, you have to be very aware of, okay, this green checkpoint opens at 10 AM, but it closes at noon. So we have to be at that checkpoint in this window. We wow. can't be early because then you don't get the points and we can't be late because you don't get any points. So you have to be cognizant, not only of, okay, this is where I'm going, but this is when I need to be here. So you asked if it's like the first person who's there wins. No, because we all start at different times, but you do have windows. Like it, we essentially start in waves. And so we do have windows of when we need to arrive at these different checkpoints, when we're allowed to come back into base camp. If you, again, if you get back, if you're, caught all of your checkpoints and you arrive at base camp too early, that's a problem. Um, so like that's that's one big way to get points or lose points. Um, but then they also do something, it's called um, like a time speed enduro. And um, that is more um, time-based and it's not necessarily speed-based, but what they'll do is they'll give you a route book and they will tell you... Um, you know, you need to go, <laughs> yeah, go. As, as Kristen's holding up the route book, but you need to, they'll say, um, and I think that was uh, just a, a 
on road enduro. That wasn't a time speed enduro, that one. Um, but but what they'll do is it's usually 20 kilometers or more. And they'll say at 1.5 kilometers, you need to be going 35 kilometers per hour and you'll be on this road. And then at a bush, you're, you're going to be taking a left. Like there'll be like a little icon, at, you know, in 1.1 kilometers at this bush, you're going to be taking a left. So there are no street names or anything like that. You just have to be able to read the terrain, read the the route book and know, okay, I see a bush. Um, it's 1.1 kilometers. I think we need to turn left here. And um, then as you go through, there'll be time controls. And so you have to calculate the time at which you're supposed to be at the time control based on the distance and the speed that you're going. So um, there's math. There's math involved. Um, and I will tell you, um, when you get the very first thing wrong where you forget to start your stopwatch, there's a lot of math involved while you are driving. Oh, so you have to keep track of your own time too. Oh yeah, yeah, and their stopwatches. But um, I, I remember, I think our first time speed enduro, I forgot to start the stopwatch, and so like about one kilometer in, I was like, Shoop! although that was not the word I used. Um, I think it was something that began with an F. But um, I literally had to, like I had to recalculate all of our times and distances from that one kilometer point, and so like I'm looking at this speed, and I'm like the sheet like back and I'm like, what the heck did I do here? And I'm like, oh, I remember, I forgot to start the stopwatch. And then I had a lot of math. Do you get to know how your points, like where you're at with points at the end of each day? Oh, cool. We do, they give us a report at the end of each day and then we can find out, you know, oh, we thought we did really well in this enduro or, or wow, we did better than we thought we did. You know, we'll, we'll right. get our full points for the day and it gives us our standings and they post them up every day on the board inside the, the main tent, the base camp. Oh, so, so you're you able to see everybody what... else's too. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Right. You right. can see where everybody else is. So talk about your sponsors because you have a main sponsor. Um, it, this is not an inexpensive uh, undertaking. And so talk a little bit about what, what a, if someone wanted to enter, what would they need to think about in terms of cost? And then talk about Hyundai. So Hyundai's our main sponsor. We are actually competing for Hyundai. They gave us a vehicle, uh, Hyundai Santa Cruz, which is the little truck-like SUV vehicle. It reminds me of an El Camino and I love it. <laughs> So they paid for our vehicle, our training costs, and our entry fee, as well as some modifications. So the engineer we work with, Eric Buxton, is amazing. And he added a lift kit for us and worked with some other companies to do that. They added a custom rack on the back to put our traction boards and our, our spare tire. And so they're the bulk of our sponsorship. To enter, it costs around, I think, fourteen dollars or $15,000. Mm -hmm. Just enter. And that covers all the safety, all the meals, because they cook us breakfast and lunch, and then they give us some snacks to bring for lunch. And what else does that cover, Jill? It covers a lot of stuff. Well, I mean, the base camp, we have um, a sh a chefs who essentially give up their jobs, their day jobs for a two-week period to feed us, and they are Michelin star chefs. So we do not go hungry. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it pays for the staff. It pays for the tents, not the tents we're sleeping in, but the tent that they use for the base camps. There's porta potties that they have to truck in. And if we're really lucky, uh, occasionally we get showers trucked in, 
Um, but uh, usually it's a whole bunch of not showering for eight days. But um, they they so like there's like showers, there's permits that have to be had. There's um, certain disposal that they have to do for gray water. Um, which is the stuff that the the showers and the toilets release. And so um, the entry fees like kind of help pay for all of those things. Um, and I know, uh, I think last year was the first year. So this is going to be the eighth year. Last year was the seventh year. I think last year was the first year they either broke even or maybe even made a little bit of a profit. So they're, they're not doing this for profit. You know, they're just, they're just trying not to like lose their shirts. <laughs> Yeah. So on top of that, if somebody wanted to enter and there's a lot of people that are not sponsored, they, they're privateers uh -huh. paying their own way, you know, so out of their own pockets or they do GoFundMes or they get a collection of sponsors. So on top of that, you have to have your gear. That's your tent, sleeping bags, sleeping pads, pillows, any other snacks or food you want on the road. Plus the hotel that we stay at for right before base camp, uh -huh. one, which is where we do pre-tech inspection and inspection where they put the stickers on our vehicles. They check to make sure we have all the required materials like uh, like a tire repair kit, a spill kit. Um, what else do we have? Our spare tire. You know, all the things that are on the list, they they check, check, check. Make, we even have to get a letter from our doctor <laughs> to yeah, say to, that we we're okay to go on this. Yeah. That's so, incredible. So Hyundai's our biggest sponsor. We also, Falcon Tires gave us tires, mm -hmm. Rally Innovations, Built the mm -hmm. Rack, Trucks. We've got a Girl's Guide to Cars. Thank you very much as one of our sponsors. We are thrilled to have our logo um, on your on your Hyundai Santa Cruz and uh, alongside these other brands. We're really proud. But Yeah, we're yeah. really happy about that. Thank you. And then we have also have the YouTube channel that Jill works for pickup truck plus SUV talk. Yes. And, uh, yeah. The gear off road tires or uh, yeah. gear off road wheels. That's, that's it. That's the other sponsor. That wheels. Okay, good. Yeah. So and wheels, tires, lift, um, the, um, racks and bars that we have and the lights that we have on the, on the vehicle. So, yeah. And that's sort of what a lot of people do. A lot of the competitors do is they go and get these equipment, sponsors to throw them a little cash here, a little cash there. We mm -hmm. put your stickers, we mention you in our social media and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So speaking of social media, will you be, since there's no electronics, will you be able to share your story on social media during the race or do you have to wait till it's over? One of the things that the Rebel Rally offers is a photo package and they have professional photographers and videographers the whole time that are capturing a ton of content. And then whoever we say, like, let's say, since you're one of our sponsors, you'll get video uh, images every day. And we have a social media manager as well who will post for us. Thank you, Bella awesome. Bob. She so we can follow along on Team Brute on Instagram. Team Brute Squad. Squad. Sorry, Brute Squad. Team Brute yeah. Squad. Sorry. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, Kristen V. Shaw and Jill Simonello on Instagram to follow along with your journey on the Rebel Rally as you start and make your way from one climate to another <laughs> without right. ever hitting pavement. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's incredible. That's incredible. Do you guys feel ready for this year? For a couple weeks from now? Are you ready? Uh 
I, you know what? I feel, I feel a lot better after the last training that we did. Um, you know, as I said, the dunes just freak me out. And I feel like in this last training, we were in a different part of the dunes than we've been in before. And like you, you look around and it's like these, these sand hills just swallow you up because there are no markers. They all look the same and they change. Like they could change on a daily basis, depending on how the wind is blowing. And um, one of the things that they did the last day in our training is they had a, um, a flag set up with our start point. And instead of um, like giving us longitude and latitude points, what they did is they said, okay, your blue checkpoint is 3.7 kilometers at 47 degrees from the start point. And to me, that was super helpful because that's a lot of what you're going to be doing because you're going to use that wash road to drive around. Then you're going to have that start point where you end. And then you're going to have to say, okay, from here, I have to go like 47 degrees to get to that blue checkpoint. And so, um, you know, some of them were easy and, and some of them were really deep into the dunes. And so we had to do a lot of, okay, if we go 1.1 kilometers that way, like we could end up in a witch's eye, you know, or a big hole that swallows, the big hole. <laughs> um, which we don't want to do. So um, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, so we get, you know, you go along maybe 0.2 kilometers and you stop and you reevaluate and then you go along a little bit more. And so that to me was very, very valuable because it really um, taught patience because the the inclination is, okay, 1.1 kilometers that way, go. And, and you can't, like in dunes especially, you can't do that. Like in rocky, hilly, craggy situations, you can't do that either. But I figure like if you learn that in dunes, you can learn that pretty much anywhere. And, and the other valuable thing that that training learned was the idea of a back bearing um, or the, that it taught me was the idea of a back bearing. Cause in the dunes, again, there's like, there are no um, recognizable markers in the dunes themselves, but where we were, there was um, uh, power lines. And um, so I could use that power line as kind of like a back bearing. And so I would line myself up with the power line and the point like that we were trying to get to. And I'd be like, okay, from the starting point, it's 46 degrees, but from this power line, it's, you know, 70 degrees. And so then I would know, okay, as long as I'm like the, the power line is 70 degrees behind me, like I'm still heading in the right way. And mm -hmm. the good news is, or the good thing about like the blue checkpoints or the green checkpoints is there's a big flag. There, so you're going to be able to see that from like a half a kilometer away and know that you're heading in the right direction. And so the distance becomes less important. It's just more about knowing then you're in the right area and then not doing anything stupid to get there. Awesome. And here's the interesting thing about how Jill and I navigate. Jill is very <laughs> much a precision tool. She wants to know exactly how far. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to look at the terrain and say it's about here like i think we're going to see this feature and that sometimes drives jill bonkers she'll be like what do you mean it's 3.3 ish kilometers no no no, no. it's 3.253 kilometers away i guess there's no ish in math huh <laughs> there is you know what? we found that that actually works really well because i'll get us like there 
and or Kristen will get us in the ballpark and then I will be able to like take it home or you know especially with black check points which are unmarked like Kristen has very good instinct and so I'll be like okay I think the black checkpoint is and I'll be looking around I'll be like in this area here and she'll be like do you see that set of rocks over there and I'm like yeah and she's like I bet they're right there and I'm like you know what let's go um, because she, she just like, she, she thinks uh, she's like channeling her inner Emily Miller. Where would Emily put this checkpoint? If we're in the area, where exactly would you put it? Cause you're not just going to put it by like nothing. Like it's gotta be by something. And, and she is very, very good at saying, all right, looking around and saying, you know, that, that grouping of rocks right there, that's it. There's her words of affirmation. My hype girl right there. You guys sound like an amazing team. So very cool. So Thank let you. me ask one last question. We're gonna we're gonna wrap up, but one last question. Um, what does it feel like after your last day? Win, lose, whatever, you know, no matter no matter how you finish, what is the feeling that you have when you end that last day on the on the rally? Exhilaration and relief. Just uh we did it. It, that's, yeah. that's really the overwhelming like we did it yeah I, I i would agree like there's a huge sense of relief um they're certainly looking ahead to a hot shower um i'm not gonna lie um <laughs> you know shaving my legs that's also totally key uh but but no i mean there, there's like a huge a huge sense of relief and um the the sense that you accomplish something that very few people will ever accomplish so i'm, I'm a marathon runner and they like to say 1% of the population will ever um, complete a marathon. I would say probably 1% of 1% of 1% will ever do anything like the Bell Rally. I mean, the, the, the things that we do from ditching GPS to um, being able to read a map to learning how to make your own map tool. Uh, we learned that in one of our last uh, uh, trainings, how to make your own map ruler. Um, if, if your only map ruler flies out the window, how do you figure out your distance? We, we learned how to do that. And, um, how do you find your longitude and latitude without, without the proper tools? You make it and we know how to do that. So, um, I, I think there's just a huge sense of accomplishment as well as relief. And, you know, I'll take it back to what I said at the very beginning, like I've become the Land Rover guy. I've become the person that like, if the Armageddon is happening, like I got you bubble gum and duct tape. I'll get you out of there. We're good. <laughs> Bubble that. gum and duct tape. Yep. That is, you know, the the MacGyver tools that you never expected <laughs> that you would need to have in your backpack, right? Yeah, maybe also dental floss. I'll, I'll throw that one in. Dental too. floss. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we cannot wait to follow along on your social as you compete in the eighth. It's hard to believe it's been eight, right? Yeah, our second, but the overall organization's eighth. Right, right. And I, did they miss a year for COVID or no? They did no, not. They did not. They just yeah. took very serious precautions. It was yeah. locked down. The timing, the October timing, uh, I guess, helped because we were in a lag at that point, right? Final no, I, I love chatting with you guys. Good luck and all the best and can't wait to uh, follow along again this year. Yay. Thank you to the Girls Guide to Cars. Thanks we appreciate your support. Here. 
Thank you. And thank you for being here and um, read more about Kristen and Jill's journey. Uh, Kristen shared a story about mom guilt because there is that <laughs> being away from your family and not even being able to use a phone for 10 days. Um, you know, you go to sleep thinking about, oh, gosh, what about this? And what about the, that? And um, that was, was a big topic, topic of conversation at the dinner table. Uh, and we've uh, also shared stories about other teams who compete in the Rebel Rally. A lot of first timers. We've been able to share stories. And uh, there are a few stories of Kristen and Jill's um, experience from last year. And we will have more on the site from the 2023 Rebel Rally. So thanks for joining us, everybody. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you, Jill. Wow, what an incredible two weeks or 10 days they're gonna have ahead of them. I guess it's eight days, plus they have uh, some other things that they're doing. And I cannot wait to follow along and see how their their race goes. And I love the wrap that they have on their uh, Hyundai Santa Cruz. They're it gonna looks really so good. It looks so good. I saw the actual Santa Cruz from last year's race at the um, auto show we were at together. I think it was at LA last year. Mm -hmm. And so it was so fun to see the car in real, but now it has this whole new wrap on it for this year's race. And I think that's really cool and exciting that that Hyundai and their other sponsors have, have done that for them and, and continue to support them in, in such an exciting and unique race, like an, a unique event all, all around. Is there any other events like this around Scotty? Yeah. So um, there's a lot of them for men or for anybody. I shouldn't say just for men, but they tend to appeal more to men. Mm -hmm. um, but most of them are not paper maps only or not, um, you know, um, older. I don't even know the uh, traditional navigation, not right. electronic navigation. Right. So um, uh, there's quite a few of those. But is there are there any just for women? There's one other. And it takes place in Morocco every oh, wow. year, the uh, Rally des Gazelles. And it is a European and um, African and Arabian uh, program. Mm -hmm. And it takes place in Morocco. And it also is quite grueling. I don't know if it allows, if the Rally des Gazelles allows electronic navigation. I have a feeling that they don't, but I don't really know. Mm -hmm. um, but it also is a, it's a pretty big deal. Um, and a lot of those teams, they have to not here, they got to get their car to this, you know, for Rebel, they got to get their car to their starting point and then they drive it home from their end point, right? In Morocco, you have to have your vehicle shipped. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So if you're coming from the United States, so it's a big deal. I think yeah. if you're in Africa or North Africa or Europe, it's not such a big deal. But from the United States, you probably should just buy a car. But then you've got to modify it and make sure it's got all the things. But that one is women only. Mm -hmm. um, and that race is a little bit older. I think that was going up maybe five or 10 years older mm -hmm. than Rebel. But um, let me ask you this, Connie. Do, do you think that the Rebel Rally changes how women in general, women, not you and I and not people who compete, but women who hear about this uh, rally, do you think it changes their view of automotive? Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, being that it's the only North American female only 
rally like this or off-road big off-road event I, I would think it would get more attention than it does i think it deserves more attention than it does because if it did yes i do i think it just is so empowering to hear what jill and Kristen have to do for that eight day well it's not just that eight days it's training it's preparation it's purchasing yeah. things it's planning fit in the car it's planning you know repair situations, all, all of that that goes into, it's not just eight days. There's so much more to it than that, as we learned from them. Um, but it's so empowering. So amazing to me. It's so badass. just listening to what they're going to be doing, how they tackle it, how they handle all of it, plan for it. Um, and I would like to see more because yes, I do. I think it's, it's inspiring for women to see this. And not just for women in automotive. I think I know about the rebel because I'm in automotive, but I think there's like this opportunity for, for more, like more media attention, more consumer uh, focused content out there that is talking about this because it's yeah. simply amazing. I mean, they've had some really good placements, some really good stories in like the New York Times and um, Elle magazine and places like that. So they, and I, I believe that uh, in the race this year's rally, there are journalists from some mainstream publications. So there definitely is content out there, but I think you're right. We need to talk about it more yeah. and we need to make more women aware. Cause I do feel like when women hear about it, they start like, it kind of plants that seed of like, Ooh, could I do that? Yeah. Oh, that sounds interesting. And very often, um, I'll tell you a, a, an old, old anecdote. I think it was probably the first year we were doing a girl's guide to cars. And I did a, led a tour of about 30 women through the Detroit auto show. They were all influencers. So they go to a lot of things. They do a lot of travel. They go to a lot of restaurants. They review a lot of products and things like that. And so, and they were all from the Detroit area. And I asked them, show of hands, how many of you have been to the Detroit Auto Show before? And of the 30 women, only about five held up their hands. And I was shocked because I would think everybody in Detroit goes to the Detroit Auto Show every year. Like that's your hometown business. Wouldn't everybody go? Mm -hmm. And I was shocked to see so few people had actually been before. And I asked why. And you know what so many of them said? Oh, I've never been invited. And now they're influencers. They go to a lot of things they're invited to, mm -hmm. but they as consumers never felt invited into right. something that's so critical, not only to the business of you know where they live, because mm -hmm. it's the main business there, but also to their own um, if financial empowerment and to their own mobility empowerment and to their own shopping empowerment. The an auto show is is you know, buying an auto show is such a great way to shop for a car, but shopping for a car and buying a car, it's such a major thing that we do. And for women to feel like they need to be welcome mm -hmm. into that environment before they can be, uh, before they feel comfortable is, um, that was a big re a revelation for me. So mm -hmm. I feel, uh, I feel like every time the rebel rally comes around and we start talking about it, I feel like we are opening those doors. That's great. Uh, I love yeah. that. I love that we're talking to them and about it because I think it's yeah. a fantastic event. It's really cool. Well, I wish them all the luck in the world. Um, they've learned a lot. They've accomplished a lot in just in, you know, 
since like they competed last year. You heard the uh, the the strategies they have and the the things that they learned from last year. So uh, we will definitely be sharing their journey on a girl's guide to cars, and uh, hopefully we'll get them back to talk about this year's race after. Yes, we love that. Let's do yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thank you, Connie, for being in here with me. And thank you, everyone, for joining us for What Drives Her, the podcast about women who are changing the automotive industry from the inside. What Drives Her is a production of A Girl's Guide to Cars, uh, produced by myself, Scotty Reese, and Connie Peters, edited by Steph Howard, music by Envato. Please subscribe, follow wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else. You'll also find us on YouTube. Thank you, everybody, and join us again next time.